Welcome. We're talking Mormons, but we're done. <laughs> this is a drill. Left-handed Mormons. We're back. Left-handed Mormons. Steve Lowry, Tom Hofarth, John McKelvey, and look who it is, Jeff Perlman, author of uh, Showtime for Local People and the newly published Football for a Buck, all about the USFL. Everyone in this room, except John, has a personal connection to the USFL and the LA Express. So we're going to be talking about that. It's going to be fantastic. Hey, who's, uh, this is... Uh, oh. No, no, we're just... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. God. I thought you he, were going so into this impatient. whole... You're t- this is one of my best friends, and this dude is angling <laughs> to take him from me. So, all right? This is Chris Gafrain. You know the name. You've read him for years in the LA Times. Now Chris is with TMG College Sports. Fantastic website. You should get on. It's like cheap. It's like, what, 10 cents? This is the talking rock for today's show. Get away it's with the this. the golf. <laughs> but Chris actually covered the LA Express for the LA Times. So, this is true. This is I true. Did, so we yeah. got that. So we have lots of USFL and stuff. And I covered to talk it for about. the Daily Breeze, but right. that's an afterthought. That's it, yes. And you guys were PR. You and myself and Steve Vanderpool. I don't know if we can see Steve over here. On the we were pro. actually you interns. Young, you're younger than I, I am. I know. I'm, I was the same age as Steve. Yeah. And so, but he's doing. But you were on with your career, and I was working I, yeah. as an intern. I, I, was, I, was, well, I, was, I was. I was still in school. I, that was the only internship I could get, which tells you something about the LA Express. <laughs> Before we get started, I just want to say one thing, and this has remember, nothing to do with Remember, this is about Perlman. Right. I know. But this has nothing to do. I have the ball. If yeah. you're watching it's us, all about selling one of books, the buddy. three people are watching us, what you might not know is in the TV biz that, of course, we are in. The single most important <laughs> yeah, thing that's, that's about broadcast success, and John will back me up, it's not the cameras, it's not the audio equipment, it's not even the talent. We're the talent. The single most important facet sort of. is the chairs. Uh, and as you may have noticed, our chairs have been ripped off and apparently taken to some tennis event. Yeah, I, yeah, we're working a, a nice tennis event for ESPNU this weekend, oh. and uh, that talent is taking priority over you guys. This is more What's comfortable wrong with anyway. Well, what, are these chairs? Usually we're in these big director's chairs, so I feel like a big man. Oh, and so this right. is, this well, is bad. Right. And Jeff is slouching, swing, so. and I appreciate that, because <laughs> he would tower <laughs> over me. Hey, Jeff, we um, read your book. It was fantastic. And one of the things, following you on Twitter, that is apparent is you're very upfront about saying you took much less to write this book. I did. You went through many hoops <laughs> to write this book. People tried to discourage you the whole time. What was the driving passion to tell this story? I mean, I think I'm like everyone here. Yeah. I just love the USFL. I love the weirdness of it. I love the kind of quirky innocence of it. Yeah. I love that it challenged the NFL, that it was genuinely fun. And also, I mean, I don't want to make you guys feel older. I was 10 years old yeah. when the league came out. Jeez. And I remember being a kid... I, I, I mean, I've said this a lot, but it's really true. I grew up in Mayo Pack, New York. My family would not subscribe to Sports Illustrated because it was too expensive. So we true. got Sport Magazine. It's true. And I would go to the Mayo Pack Library. And um, I remember seeing Herschel Walker on mm-hmm. the cover of an issue in 1983. It said, Hitting Pay Dirt. It was him with a general's helmet. And I feel like people, younger people don't get. Like, Herschel Walker wasn't just the next Heisman Trophy winner, right? He was yeah. he was iconic. The of the game. Yeah, he was kind of Jim Thorpe, Bo Jackson, like yeah. that, different level. Yeah. You know, he wasn't just Billy Sims. It was like a lot yeah. bigger than that. Right. And him going to the Generals, and I remember opening the issue and seeing the 12 helmets floating in like space. That's what it was supposed to look like. And like the LA Express probably had the most boring helmet of the bunch. And the LA Express yeah. had a kind of a cool helmet. But the Arizona Wranglers had this awesome helmet. The helmets were insane. Yeah. yeah. And just when you're 10 years old, everything seems giant. Yeah, you know? exactly. Was that the Sports Illustrated where Herschel had his girlfriend on his back and he's doing push-ups? I don't know. That, it might have been one. the same issue because that's... And it's really funny because that issue talked about Herschel signing. And he said... Jay Walter Duncan 
was the owner of the, like Donald Trump actually likes to say, he has said in the past, right, right, I brought right, Herschel right, Walker to right, the right, US. No, no. He had zero, literally zero to do with it. He it was Jay Walker. down, he blew them all off. He blew them off. Yeah. It was Walter Duncan, and he went down as all, you know, he was probably 70, I'm yeah. not that so old, but he went down to Herschel Walker's apartment in Athens, Georgia, sat there with his girlfriend and played Space Invaders on the Atari 2600 <laughs> and got him to agree to a contract. Yeah. Today would be Fortnite. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Herschel was Herschel was Herschel before Bo Jack. Now yeah. Bo would, oh, yeah. Bo would come shortly thereafter, yeah, and then that, Bo yeah. would. Well, wow, I thought Herschel was, but same kind of freak, just freak athlete. Yeah, yeah. Herschel was so fast going forward. He didn't have like a lot of swivel, but he could go. He was bigger and faster through the middle, like a train. Dude, do you think that like back then, college stars like Herschel Walker could become <laughs> could become like legendary because we didn't get to see every game? Like, well, like the question. fact that they were no. mysterious. Because Herschel, you're right. Herschel Walker was much bigger than any big college star is now. Yes. Yeah. And and one of the great games of all time, the '85 opener. Uh, the LA Express and Houston Gamblers, Jim Kelly, Steve Young. That wasn't on TV, right? No, not on TV. Not on TV. No, right, right. right and that's right. when Kelly set the pro record, not the Canadian. I don't think it'd be yeah, Canadian, the but pro football record. Yeah. They combined uh, for nine hundred and forty-five yeah. yards or something. A passing. Yeah. So that yeah. that takes on a, a whole aura of. Yeah, this is the game uh, nobody saw except us. Right. You know, we were there. <laughs> was it as good as a? Oh, I don't yeah. mean to take your job. I mean, no, was it as good as a? <laughs> you're not just not doing a good job. <laughs> was it as amazing as they say? The or paperback version. Or was it preposterous? Do you know what I mean? Like, was it cool or was I, it? I remember the Express was way ahead, like 33 to something. And we might have been, I, I remember being down on the field for the end of it because you go down on the field yeah. at the end of the game. At, the call, at Express games, it was very easy. You didn't have, you, didn't have, you know, you're at a Rams game or you have to plot or USC game. Ah, I better leave now because no, all no. the fans are going to leave. No, you could go. You yeah. could hear, and this is not, you could hear, and Young used to complain about that, that uh, you could hear him from the press box, like calling out plays yeah. or in the huddle if they were, say, screaming at somebody. That's how quiet it was. I so we, we'd go down to the field, <laughs> and then I just remember these, all I remember is from the Jim Kelly's arm. Yeah. You know, it's just like these little... And this, of course, that's the Mouse Davis. That's the Mouse Davis. That's the Mouse Davis. Richard Johnson, right? Portland. It was, well, the, you know, uh, it's crazy. Richard, yeah, Richard. Richard Johnson, yeah. Ricky Sanders, yeah. Gerald McNeil, yeah. Clarence Ferdinand, Stanley Floyd, the All-American sprinter, tried out because he raced a horse on That's Incredible. That's right. And the owner was like, let's get that guy in here. Yeah. Vince Corville, who ran a 4-2-40, was one of the receivers. <laughs> it was in, uh, I think it was Richard Johnson told me, they had one of the, they could have put a relay together that would have competed on the national stage. Oh, yeah. I actually agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we didn't, you know, we didn't know it was Jim Kelly then. Right. No. Yeah. We, we knew it was some guy from Miami. Miami, yeah. Miami who kind of had an injury, injury played career at Miami. And, right. Uh, and Steve Young was certainly, you know, when Steve Young came out, and I didn't really, I didn't cover colleges then. I was covered more NFL, and I didn't really see him play that much at BYU. When they signed him, this was a big deal. It was. He, yeah. he comes out to the practice field, and I remember standing, watching him throw passes next to Don Klosterman, the mm. GM, and he's throwing passes, and they're like going, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I'm going I told Klosterman, I go, this is your $40 quarterback? I go, just we, this guy is the one of the greatest athletes you'll ever see. Trust me on this. Don't even. Yeah. I, go, I just covered right? him. I just right. covered him in the he Holiday right. Bowl. Oh, wow. he, had, he, had, he had great numbers yeah. at BYU. Yeah. Yeah. You could see, I mean, just... But it was, you thought he was a college great athlete. He just looked like a... Work. He could have been... He's one of the few players, quarterbacks, that you could say 
could have played running back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and actually ended up well. doing that. That was his last yeah. game. He played running back for the Express because they ran out of players. But we didn't know. We didn't <laughs> know did. these. That's these, awesome. Yeah, that is true. The funny thing is people were, were asking me during the book, like, yeah. is it true Steve Young ran for 150 yards in a game as a running back? And I'm like, actually, he ran for zero yards, but it's yeah. good. But he did <laughs> a have story. a game of 300 Better yards. story. It's 150. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, he did have the game of 300 yards passing and 100, 100 rushing, rushing, which had never been done before. It was done, I think that was that first was time. Yeah. First time. Yeah. Now people now they do it all the time. He, he, uh, you can't believe it, but back then it was a big deal. 100, yeah. 300, yeah. 100 was uh, unheard of. But uh, Tommy, yeah. you were still in college when you got the assignment, right? Right. So were you were you actually hired at the Breeze, or were you an intern there? No, I was still. I was. I just got hired full time. And how actually, did they approach you? The funny about part this? was Chris Mortensen was working in our paper and left yeah. to go to Atlanta, so there was a job opening. So I got promoted. And while I was in college. And then since I was down there, they said, why don't you just cover the Express? They're kind of in your neighborhood. Yeah. So why don't you do that? And so, um, I, I, but, but the practices being in Manhattan Beach made it hard for me because the way to go down to Pollywog Park. And I remember Steve Young after one practice goes, I go, what was the highlight? I missed the practice. He goes, oh, these kids were out fighting in the, in the park. <laughs> he goes, it was, they were fighting for the championship of Pollywog Park or something. And they were just would love to see the, the kids. It was at this old elementary school. Right. I think the Raiders had used well, it. Well, that's sense. Yeah. No, well, no, the Raiders were still in El Segundo. They used oh. like this weather one, but but and now it's a middle school. But right. so again, the, just how everything ties together. One of the, the Bob Rose was the main PR guy for the yeah, Express, the and best. his assistant was Sheila Young. Yep. And this and this guy violated all journalistic ethics. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and well, I, you know, I, I, I got she didn't give me any good stories after that. Well, <laughs> I had I actually had to tell my boss. Because uh, we didn't, we did not start dating till '85 season, the okay. last season. Well, that's when everything uh, was falling apart for she, everybody. She was, it was like the grab bag. Just take what you can from the express. She was home. literally, she would literally take stuff out of the express store. You know, the team. It was, it was like looting. Yes. <laughs> but I did tell my boss, and I said, you know, I got a problem. I'm dating. I'm dating one of the. But she's going to be fired, laid off. <laughs> right. She said, right. Don't say fired. I wasn't fired. I was uh, laid off. I right. go. She will be. She's going to be laid off. Right. And I, and I looked at my watch. And but Vanderpool like, knows this. This yeah. was a and whole. Steven, whole Jim and Pam situation oh, yeah, because yeah. their like of each other was well yeah, known. Yes. And this one would talk to you and this one would talk to you. And I have to say, I, I played a key but liaison role. And, in uh, this. And, and Steve Young was one of the only other people that knew about yeah. the relationship. No relation. Uh, no no relation. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. And Bob Rose, I think there were th- he might have been the third. Yeah. We kept very close. Yeah. I just say... Um, but this is about, what a freak, what's this about you? No, I want to say, I, want, I just want to say. <laughs> I didn't write a book about, about it. Love, anyway, I open was, your heart. In a very related story. <laughs> I think it's in here. The New York Daily News sent uh, Harvey Ariton to cover the first championship game. Right. And, which is great. And we guys had, we, did you cover the first championship? Oh, yeah, the right. Oh, yeah. In Denver. There. Yes. Which is the greatest, because yes. the U.S. of desperately wants a great game. Because the NFL has had these crap Super Bowls year mm-hmm. after year. And you get the Michigan Panthers, you get the Philadelphia Stars. The two teams that you could make an argument could have played in the NFL sure. and gone yeah. seven and nine, six right. and ten. Right. Bobby Abair, Anthony Carter, right. Calvin Bryant, Sam Mills. Right. So this game goes on and it's great. Right? It's a great game. It Actually, it's a great, good, yeah. great it would go down as a great Super Bowl. If this that game were a Super Bowl, they'd yeah. call it one of the ten best Super Bowls. And uh, Bobby Abair hits Anthony Carter, big Michigan wins. Minute and a half left. The fans storm the field, right? They're the best thing ever. It's true. The Denver police are under strict orders. Do not let anyone do anything to the field. So the fans rush the field. The Roosevelt, in such a Roosevelt moment, 
they allowed Miller to have a free beer promotion before the game in the parking lot. So everyone is sloshed out of their mind by the fourth quarter. Fans are attacking the goalposts. They're tearing them down. <laughs> you were there. I was there. Yeah, cops start missing. I'm sorry, they're missing people. <laughs> and there are dogs. Oh, and the dogs are attacking fans. <laughs> the PR woman for the for the league, it's like handing out stuff in the press box like that was a Bobby Abear MVP. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the field, like people are getting attacked. And Harvey Arrington ended up marrying the PR woman. Oh. <laughs> Putting your story of love kind of page, page wow. 17B. Love wow. among the ruins. Yeah. Those are always my favorite phone calls to the office. Uh, you're gonna have, I need more room. <laughs> what do you mean? They didn't want to cover this league. They had nothing to do. They're gonna right. put the championship. Well, the riot broke out. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, how did you get the um, the gig? What were you were you what were you covering oh, at the time? This is a, well, this is a this is a great story. I was covering UC UC Irvine basketball, which I continued to cover. I covered both deal. both sports right. at the you know it wasn't like an everyday thing with the yeah. Express, but the you know when they when they st announced this league, and I found out from Jeff's book, it was kind of one of these moments that San Diego was supposed to get the franchise, mm -hmm. not LA, and oh. they had problems with Jack Murphy Stadium. Yeah. And I'm, I had like, I was, I was reading that, I'm going, whoa, that's like one of those moments where, well, my life is yeah. completely different. Right. right. If yeah. San Diego gets it, I'm not, I don't You're have, not sitting here right no, now. No, right? You don't mean <laughs> I'm not here. I'm not alive. <laughs> I don't mean I you. think I would have just have died. You're right different now. something, yeah. Oh, but I'd be screwed. So the, the bottom line is we were all working in Orange County, um, and, and L.A. wanted nothing to do with this. Dwyer had the Olympics coming up in 84, right. which would be the crowning achievement of his career. And uh, we should have won the Pulitzer for that, but didn't. Yeah. That's another story. Um, he wanted nothing to do with this. We already had two football teams, two basketball teams. Give it to some kid in Orange County. Yeah. So that's the story. I heard it all these years. So a few weeks ago, uh, I mentioned this in the little thing I wrote up for about Jeff's book. And, and I said, I think I won on a coin flip. I, and I, I'd, I'd heard that story. I won on a coin flip. And Dwyer, Bill Dwyer, my former sports editor, Tech emails me and says, "You're right. The guy you won, uh, you beat out, was Rick Riley. Ricky, Rick yeah. was Rick yeah. was in the Orange County edition of right. um, at the LA Times, and I picked him up at the air, airport from when he came from Denver. Uh, but I saw so one, and then Riley immediately tweeted, I want to reflip.' <laughs> so, so it's just like I beat out Rick Riley for a job that they didn't want to anything to do with, and then it just became so interesting that." You, know, you said it, they weren't interested in your Steve Young. I mean, when you called them. I they, was covering a UC Irvine basketball game, and I was in the SID's office at Irvine, filing my story when I heard, I got confirmation that the Express was going to sign Steve Young to this huge contract, $40 million. Yeah. And I called the office, <laughs> the editor, and I was with Orange County. So LA was the big guys and the big editors and the scary guys, and they were always changing your copy and yelling at you. <laughs> yeah. So I told them, you know, I was 24 years old. Uh, and I said, they, they're going to sign Steve. Oh, how do you know that? <laughs> they, you know, it's like the editor say, saying, yeah. well, I go, That's well, beat. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the beat writer. I just talked to, me. I talked to a really good source, yeah. Klos, Don Klosterman, yeah. who used to, was a general manager of the Rams. Yeah. So, well, how do you know that? Well, you better be right. <laughs> I said, well, you know what? If you want a story, I'll be happy to, you know, I kind of got pissed <laughs> off. Uh, if you want a story, I'd be happy to write one for my paper. If right. you don't want it, then, uh, you know. Do they run it in front of the sports section? 
I don't remember what, I try to look for that story. I have a bunch of clips that are just all, you know, we don't, we have digitally everything from 85 on. I have, uh, when I left the Times, I accessed all my files, but everything before that is clips. Mm. And I haven't been able to find that original story. So I don't know if it was a front page story on Sunday, but newspapers in those days, they, you know, it, it had to be like a, a that Mona Lisa had yeah. stolen for them to change the oh, front sports page. Was never, yeah. Oh, really? It was too <laughs> yeah. hard. It was it's like, too hard uh, to change you know, they, they changed all that. So I don't know if it was on the front page or not. I, subsequent, I mean, they finally understood that they couldn't ignore the story. Right. And then they had the big, the press conference was big at the Beverly Hilton. Was that, yeah, was I remember Orson that Wills and uh, Steve was Orson? I remember they World. signed it on a piano bench. They signed his contract. Jeff, and you story, broke down that contract. Oh, yeah, that was And the best. it says, that he's supposed to get paid till he's 60 or 65? Yeah. Is he still being paid? No, 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 no. What do you, I think he ended up getting about he, eight of 40. They, 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 he, he, um, he, he got a buyout to go uh, $2 million. He ended up with like four or $5 million. He had to buy himself out to go to the NFL. Yeah, he had to buy himself yeah. out. But he ended up getting, and they never funded the annuity. The annuity, which was, you know, I said, we could have, you know, if you, it's like one of those things that we could have almost made. Yeah. Uh, if you put a, a right. You know, they did him a real disservice because yeah. um, Walter Payton, I wrote a book about Walter Payton, mm -hmm. he signed a very similar contract. And nobody called it a $32 million yeah. deal because it wasn't, his contract wasn't a $40 million contract. It was an incremental payout over a gazillion yeah. years. Just but they wanted it. Oldenburg, who was just a psychotic, crazy man, yes. didn't care about the pressure he was putting on his quarter. I just thought this is great for headlines, and it right. was, but it killed him. I mean, you he know. He hated it. And, and there are certain guys that would have played that up. Deion Sanders would have yeah, loved Deon, that. Right? Yeah. Deion would have loved I, it. Lee Steinberg loved talking about they, it. Well, that, it made all those guys. That was guys, Lee's career. Steve Young hated it. He wore, every, he wore it on his face. He wouldn't cash his checks. You could detail a lot of that in the book. Well, I love when the fans yeah. in Washington, I mean, he told this in the yeah. 30 to 30, are taunting, taunting him. Forty million down the drain, and his mom is in the stands. And she's like, "It's an annuity! It's an annuity!" <laughs> oh, we're sorry. Like George it's Costanza. a poor Mormon woman who's like very polite, and they're like, "F you, F the Mormons." You. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Mormons. That's what I'm saying. You mentioned William Oldenburg, who was our boss. So Stevie, uh, if we can get Stevie in on this, so this guy, <laughs> you call him in the book like a psychopath, <laughs> something I mean, like that. Mm -hmm. He was one of these guys, if you had to do his, like I remember no matter what you wrote, like as a PR thing, like I wrote about a linebacker, you'd have to mention somewhere in there that Oldenburg had signed him, and then there was all this stuff you had to always mention that IMG, he owned this. IMG, that he, right. IMG. That sounds like I'm, another, does that sound like another owner in the yes. league? Just a little and bit. We'll get to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always had to mention all these things, like he owned this, he did this, he was the greatest, world's greatest negotiator. And then on game days, he would like have a suite at the Coliseum, and if you were called up there, you were made to feel like the help. Like, oh, come here, uh, get this guy this, do that. And you're like, eh. he was. Now, were there massive drugs? I mean, drugs, go I mean. Uh, re no, re just, a, just a lot of celebrities that were well uh, past their primes. I mean. Yes. Um, like, who's a definitive well, LA Express? Wells, and then, uh, of course, uh, I think it was the opener. Was it the opener that Wayne Noon performed a post-game yeah. concert? Yeah. yeah, we got to see. But we also Chuck got Berry Chuck, did a concert. We got Chuck Berry. I mean, I, you know, I like a lot of the, the post, you know, the, the entertainment. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if we had the, uh, the Pointer Sisters or, but yeah, he, but he was a, and, and he had the business with IMG. And then anytime he did a big, 
business deal up in San Francisco. They had the they had that giant gong. Oh, the gong, yeah. They had to bang the gong when right. they did a big business right. deal. And he had a marquee like yeah. a, like they have in Times Square, like a neon flashing marquee. So like when Steve Young and Lee Steinberg came to sign the contract, officially sign the contract, yeah. they come to the building and. Steve Young, world's greatest quarterback. <laughs> Lee Steinberg, agent extraordinaire. It's like, what? Really? Then he ends up kicking him out in a drunken, you know... Uh, well, yeah. you described that fight. whole contract uh, yeah. nego right. negotiation yeah. where he is... He's hungry. It's his birthday. He yeah. wants to go to a party, and he keeps coming in going, oh, come on, sign the yeah. thing, whatever. It's like the best. And he's oh. just out of his mind. He yeah. was I mean, he was, just, he was crazy, and he was... That night, I mean, the contract was... The terms were agreed upon, and they just went to his his office to sort of work out the details. And Oldenburg's upstairs in his suite. And downstairs are his minions, Steve Young and Lee Steinberg. And every hour, hour and a half, he comes down to check on it. And every time he comes down, his cheeks are redder and he's more drunk. And he'd be like, why is this shaking so long? Blah, 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 blah. Mr. Oldenburg, it's just blah, blah, blah. All right, I'll, I'll be back in an hour. What the hell is going on? Finally, he calls for them to come up. And he's doing this to Steve Young. And yeah. Steve Young, the nicest human yeah, being yeah. on the planet, as far as mild-mannered. Yeah. If you tab, if you poke me one more time, I'm going to pop you. You know, like <laughs> typical, like, yeah. Richie Cunningham, yeah, yeah. Steve Young. <laughs> and uh, Oldenburg ends up, he's drunk. He, he has all these glass bottles on a bar. He smashes them on his fit. He picks up a chair like this. He runs to the window to throw it out of the penthouse window. Steve Young grabs him. And uh, Bill Oldenburg finally kicks him out onto the street. And Steinberg told me, two in the morning, it's Steve Young and Lee Steinberg just trying to figure out how they're going to get home. There's no way they got yeah. kicked out. And the next day, Oldenburg apologized. And wow. And he's like, and Oldenburg is only the third, one of three owners the Express had. So they started with a group, two guys, Harmon and Daniels, and Daniels, who were cable guys, yeah. who who got out with it, who made money. They yeah. they made money. Who made money off the USFL? Right. Uh, Steve Young. Did Steve Young? Flutie did. Flutie had three years guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, Blanding, the uh, gold owner, sold high. And um, did Bassett make money? No, Bassett definitely did not make money. Uh, <laughs> most, too bad. Most people I liked didn't. Him. But Bill, Bill Dan the, the the original ownership was. I mean, uh, Alan Harmon was a sideshow. He was right, like a clown. Right, right, right. No, yeah. He was a clown. Right. Uh, but Bill Daniels was you know, basically created cable television. Right. He, he was like he hooked up with Jerry Bust and yeah. made Prime Ticket and all that stuff. Prime Ticket. And he then was the last guy after Oldenburg disintegrated into a pile of rubbish. But it was this guy Jay Rulier from Houston. Who, you couldn't have worse business judgment than to buy a team in the U.S. of L. in 1985. Oh like, my God. I don't actually know what would make anybody besides an enormous ego. Unless he thought that they were going to win this lawsuit or something. Or It was thought, just insane, though. Yeah. It was... But Bill Daniels was a, you know... Very astute businessman. Yeah. yeah, and he saw even after one year, he saw the word. This because well, again, as Jeff pointed out in the book, it's ESPN had just launched. They were part of the TV deal. ABC was part of it, and Daniels probably saw some future in it as right. programming because that's how they always look at this as programming. So when he got out, that should have been a, a yeah, kind that of was a sign. That was a yeah, and then, and then right. I think he saw Trump when Trump got yeah, in. Yeah, when Trump said, got in at that. Goes, point. I'll tell you who made money. Um, Duncan, who sold the team to Trump, oh, yeah. he sold it for ten point five million. He was asking eight. Trump paid ten point five, <laughs> and um, he made money on that deal. He bought it for six. He sold it for ten point five. That guy got out wisely at the right time. 
Yeah. So what a deal doing. maker. Yeah. Know, right? Art of the deal. Art of the crappy deal. The guy who said buying the uh, Dallas Cowboys a uh, half a billion was a bad deal. And oh, yeah. Were no. I mean, you've got that, one of the great reasons why this book is getting a lot of good run right now is because of the Trump connection. Mm -hmm. And it's an easy in for you to talk about. And I don't know if you wanted to sort of summarize the whole Trump part of this sure. as a sort of a way to tie it together. But it's a really interesting and weird. I've never promoted a book like this where it's like MSNBC, ESPN, right. you know, and it's really weird. And it's almost, I don't, I don't want to talk about it at all, but it's almost hard to tell if talking about Trump these days is a good thing or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, like I was on Rich Eisen's show yesterday, and then you see the tweets, I didn't tune on into the Rich Eisen show to hear about Trump, you know, like it's a right. lot of that. Right. Yeah. And I actually understand that. I actually do get that reaction to it. That being said. Um, <laughs> no, but that's, but that is part of the book. Yeah, of course. And it's not why you wrote it. Yeah. It was the whole your love. No. Of the, but it just happened to land at this time. Yeah. So, I mean, you can get this all out of the way now until we can go back and talk Great. about the Express. But it's just, it has to be sort of kind of figured out. So he bought the team. Uh, he was supposed to be an original owner. And in 1983, uh, uh, 82, a bunch of the owners were meeting in San Francisco in a suite. And he was supposed to be, he was the big guy from New York. And the funny thing is, no one knew who he was. Mm. You know, he was not well known outside of New York. And, um, all the owners are waiting. They're waiting. New York guy's coming. Don't worry, he's coming. He's coming. Phone rings. You can picture it. Like, all of us are having 80s ties. Except for you, damn it. Like, <laughs> nope. Yeah, that's all right. Imagine this anyway. Like, beige phone in the middle with the big buttons. <laughs> right. Oh, Donald Trump is calling in. Speaker. Hey, guys. It's, so it's Donald. I got some bad news. I'm not going to be coming. I'm just not going to do it. But I got some big things going on. Sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Click. Good luck. People are like, what the hell just happened here? We right. just lost our New York owner. Fast forward, uh, Walter Duncan, an Oklahoma oil man, truly out of decency, he's interested in the league, he says, I'll take the New York team, right? He had no ties to New York, which right, was actually a right, decent act. Right. After a year, he's like, I don't really feel like making this flight anymore and all this stuff. <laughs> Donald Trump comes in, buys a team. In the lead up to buying the team, um, he loves the USFL. It's a great idea. I love what they're doing. Smart, blah, blah, blah. He gets a team. As soon as he gets a team, we need to move to fall. If God wanted football in the spring, he would have made he wouldn't have invented baseball. That's his line that he thinks is clever. And you know, he starts, he really starts undercutting the league. And he has a meeting with Pete Rosell at uh, the NFL commissioner in uh, the Pierre Hotel in New York. And he says to him, I don't give a crap about the USFL. What do I have to do to get in the NFL? Right. And right. Pete Rosell says to him, as long as I'm involved in this league, as long as my heirs are involved in this league, you will never be a part of the NFL. Because he saw people say, Well, why would he say that? Because he saw what he was. Mm -hmm. And I always say, like, if you it would be unwise to marry someone who cheated on their last spouse. Like, you know, there has to be something. And if you're Pete Rosell and you're sitting there, and this guy's undercutting the league he's literally in right now, I'm sure Donald Trump thought he was very oh, clever sure. and very... Right. But if you're Pete Rosell... You're just giving out your game plan. You're giving out your game plan. <laughs> of how you're going to screw right. up the league. 100%. Why would you go to the NFL if you're going to... Under, he'll undercut that too. And also, at the time, if you remember, the NFL was all about old money. You know, mm -hmm. it was the Maras and the Roonies. And, you know, it was just these old money families. And Trump was not old money. Trump was new cocky money. Anyway, Trump is undeterred because his one strength, whether you like him or dislike him, the guy does not give up. Mm -hmm. He just charges ahead. So he starts talking about how we should, we still need to move to fall. We have to move to fall. And Eddie Einhorn, the Chicago mm -hmm. franchise is failing the Blitz. And Eddie Einhorn, they bring him in as a potential next owner. Never put a dime down. And, but he's supposed to be this TV whiz. So he and Trump go about, lead the process of seeing if there's a fall TV deal. And they just flat out lie about it all. They meet with different TV executives and the consensus is no. Like, and it makes no sense. Why would 
you want to broadcast a spring football league when you have the NFL already. It doesn't make any sense. But they lied. And they said, no, there's a lot of interest. Really, we can get a $90 million TV deal. Owners were unhappy with the ESPN-ABC deal because there were no blackouts. Oh, and that right. was a huge That's problem. Right, right. You, that, you know, yeah. a huge problem. You can see it in L.A. Oh, in I mean, L.A. was a huge problem. Yeah, right. Not that anyone was watching it on any yeah, media. You can't but, fill the Coliseum anyway. Right. I mean, that was a dumb stadium to play in. The but, Rams don't fill the Coliseum. Right. That's right. Right, that was, exactly. They didn't even take that in consideration. You should have been playing in a smaller facility. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if the StubHub Center were around then, yeah. that would be, have been a great years yeah. of our stadium, yeah. you know? And it would have been Ar Orange County is accessible. I think it would have been, anyway. Yeah, no, you're right. Right. So, um, we should start a spring league and put it in spring. Oh, we'll call it the Express. Days, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll invite Donald Trump to ruin it. Great idea. Pierce College. I am, I'm haunted by Pierce College. I'm haunted. I just want to acknowledge quickly. I've only had one mistake pointed out in the book, which actually is pretty good for, I mean, I'm not happy. And I found out, I think you told me, right? Pierce College was, yeah, yeah. I have his Division three. it was yeah. NAIA. No, no, it's a... What was it? The it was a junior, junior college. Oh, a junior college. And I also had the name of the stadiums off slightly. Right, yeah. And I was, I'm haunted by these things. And I was oh. like, how did that happen? And then I looked, and I found the clip I had used from 1980-whatever. I'm not even joking. There was an Arizona Republic clip talking about that last game, and they had it as, oh. and I used that clip as my source. That so, happens. Um, anyway, I digress. Yeah. So <laughs> Trump basically put, we can get fall, TV deal, blah, blah. And then he starts talking about, we need to sue the NFL. Right. We're going to sue the NFL. Because that's his MO. That's his MO. Sue everybody. I mean, there are guys from the USFL I talked to. He hired someone to plan their, their whatever press conference. There was a 1,000 up front, a 1,000 after. Trump paid the 1,000 up front. The guy sent him multiple bills, never paid him. You know, just blew him off. It was just what he did. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to sue the NFL. We're going to hire Roy Cohen as our attorney. <laughs> McCarthy era, Roy Cohen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Famously evil yeah. and sinister. Yeah. 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 They hire Roy Cohn, and Trump tells the other owners, we will hire Roy Cohn, they will settle immediately, because they're going to be terrified of Roy Cohn. Yeah. That's his whole thing. Well, that did not happen. <laughs> right. um, Paul Tagliabue actually was not the commissioner at the time, but he worked in the NFL, and he, uh, the NFL was nervous about this all. Paul Tagliabue sort of had this meeting with the owners, and he's like, uh, if we give in on this, every time some new league comes along, they're going to pull the exact same crap on us, mm -hmm. and we're going to be vulnerable forever. We cannot give in on this. So the NFL basically says, bring it, you know? And they file the lawsuit. They don't settle. The USFL is correct. The NFL did, they, what they were saying is the NFL monopolized Fall they TV. Did, and which they true. did. Yes. The NFL was undercutting the USFL, which they certainly were doing. Yep. So that's the whole case. The trial happens in New York. Jerry Argovitz, the owner of the Gamblers, is begging Trump not to have this trial in New York. Have it in Houston. They'll be much more mm -hmm. sympathetic to a plaintiff, blah, blah, blah. No, it's my town, blah, all this nonsense. <laughs> the USFL has three key witnesses. It's my favorite part, in a way. I mean, there's so many favorite parts, but I love this. A drunk Howard Cosell, <laughs> Al Davis, who's just insane, right? and Donald Trump. And the NFL sees Donald Trump as a gift from God. Oh, my because Lord. Because he's unsympathetic. He's just an asshole. I mean, he just is. Huh? He's just a jerk. And he's unlike one. I interviewed one of the jurors who remembered vividly him trying to intimidate, visually intimidate the jurors by staring them down during his testimony. Wonder, I don't see any of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. A, and... Um, <laughs> Of course, oh, the case would be a real shame cover? if something bad were to happen. It does come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you cover the trial? Were you guys at the trial? No, uh, no because I was uh, I was already onto the Rams. Richard Hoffer. Oh, the great Richard Hoffer. The great Richard Hoffer, yeah. who uh, I'm, I could just see that phone call about him having to do this. Mm -hmm. And then he wrote brilliant. He, he was, you know, he never wanted to write right. anything. 
yeah. then when he wrote it, it was the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's the best. Yeah. 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 He would root for things. I got to SI when he was at SI, oh. and I would read his stuff and be like, I can't, I can't touch this. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, he had the, the, great, the great exit from the LA Times of all time. He wrote the cover story on George Foreman, uh, and it came out, and that's how, the, that's how the Times knew he was leaving. Oh, yeah, that's no funny. No kidding. He was, wow. I guess I'm leaving now. Okay. I'm done. Anyway, the trial happens. <laughs> trial happens. Uh, Trump is an embarrassment. No. And what the jury basically decides is the USFL is right. Like, the USFL is right. The NFL is monopolizing. Right. The NFL is trying to bully the USFL. Right. But it's USFL's fault. And you guys are a bunch of idiots. And there was, there was a report presented to the USFL owners. They, they paid a league that had almost no money left, paid $600,000 for a private firm, consulting firm, to give them a breakdown of whether they should move to fall or spring. Oh. The woman presents it and says, do not move to fall. It does not make any sense. You have an okay thing going. Yeah. And Donald Trump is the first guy in that meeting. This is BS, blah, 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 blah. The final, the jury says, all right, you guys are right. However, you're your own worst enemy. Here's a dollar. And the best moment of that trial is John Mara, owner of the New York Giants, sitting literally next to Donald Trump in the courtroom Opening his thing, taking out his wallet, taking out a dollar. <laughs> it was basically treble to this. Treble to three. Treble to three. But did yeah. the jury get it right, or did were they just did they understand the law? Did they did they just screw it up? Did, no. Could, see, could they have ruled for a huge judgment, or did they? Yeah, not? they could have, but I think they were right. But did they, did they know what they were doing? Yeah, they did. All right, okay. so there was a lot of. I actually talked to I talked to Jern. I talked to a lot of people from the case. And there was always afterwards, there was a lot of the jury screwed it up. And Harvey Meyerson, the, yeah. the uh, lawyer for the NFL, was like, they screwed it up. They didn't know what they were doing. That actually wasn't true. And then I had this long talk with the juror, yeah. one of the key jurors in the case, and she said, no, we understood what we were doing. We understood the entirety of it. We just couldn't reward them money for being their own. Yeah. yeah. Is it possible that if you had had Bassett, who everyone seems to agree was a wonderful man, mm -hmm. maybe some other sympathetic people, mm -hmm. oh. that, that that effect on the jury could have maybe shifted things a bit. They had people ready to call who they never called. They just did not call people. Donald Trump decided, this is my show. And and here's the other thing. I'm worried for Wait, here's something. Oh, well, oh, yeah, well, ba well, Bassett was sort of... Oh, yeah. Bassett was, was sort of the John, sort of John McCain of oh, today's story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy the guy you're looking to... The, the guy that's... This so what you're saying, he was a loser. No, he, <laughs> but the sane guy, the guy that got it, the guy that would fight Trump, who, would, who wrote the great letter, I'd punch you in the face. John Bassett is dying of uh, brain, brain cancer. cancer. So I mean the par that, and that's why I want. Oh, the parallels. The are parallels. Insane. The cautionary tale that that this book really I is. Know, it's, yeah, it's it, scary. In the foreshadowing, and if people had just if you'd written this book, yeah, what is five your years ago, Why didn't you get this out earlier? You know what frustrates <laughs> me? I will say, <laughs> but it, yeah, it, I keep saying like, I keep telling like my publicist, who's great, but I'm always like. We could get this on news shows, and we could talk about this because sure. past is so prologue, and it hasn't. The Woodward book came out the same day as mine, which oh, certainly right, wasn't right, helpful. Right. But you said it. John Bassett is John McCain. The guy gets sick. Yeah, he's his, the one foil of Trump, Crazy. and he walks all over him. And then the other one, hundred percent, the Flutie contract <laughs> is insane. Talk about this is the craziest crap ever. He signs Doug Flutie. The heading into the 85 season. Right. It's a stupid contract. First of all, they have Brian Sipe as their quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Second Who's of all, Flutie, in the NFL, Flutie's a fourth or fifth round pick. Like, he's a 5'9 quarterback. Barely a quarterback. Right. right. He, maybe they switch, but they, where are you going to switch to 5'9? I don't know where you were, but Can, anyway. Yeah. He had a much better career than yeah. anyone thought. No, right? well, he's a great uh, Canadian player. Right, and, uh, right. Yeah. But, but they sign him to this deal. He signs him to a six-year, $8.3 million, three years guaranteed. And he sends a letter First, he tells his partners with the generals, 
don't worry, you would do this better than me. So if I'll say it and you can interpret it if you'd like. <laughs> don't worry, he says this, don't worry, the other owners are going to, I'm going to sign Doug Flutie, but the other owners in the league are going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally, it is the Mexico, I always say, Flutie's in Mexico wall before the Mexico <laughs> wall. And this is a crazy, he sends a letter that I have, Jerry Argovich right. wrote a book years ago that nobody read that was excellent. And he has the letter from yeah, that's Donald wonderful. Trump to the other owners, where he says to the he writes in a letter, I have done the USFL a great favor mm -hmm. by bringing, he's like, you can see the results on the field. It was lie after lie. Attendance had plummeted from 84 to 85 yeah. because they were moving Attendance to the Attendance is up. Attendance <laughs> is up. <laughs> Greatest attended game ever. Right, but like, here's a perfect example. We had this 17 people in the stands. <laughs> it was the highest attendance of all time. You can't see the fingers. But <laughs> Wait, you can't anyway. Wait, but then he, um, he, he says on the thing, you can see the results already, right? Okay. The Generals in Birmingham Stadiums opened in Birmingham back-to-back -back seasons just because it's the USFL. In 1984, they drew about 60,000 to that game. In 1985, with Doug Flutie starting at quarterback, they drew 30-something thousand. Oh. And he's like, you can see the results all over it. It was just <laughs> nonsense. And you not can an, clearly see the results. <laughs> the results. And not one owner. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. it literally is the inauguration. It's the Birmingham. It's the And I, I, the best way to present this, and, and you've done it, but it's to, not, it's to not make it Political right. because it's not, it's political. not political. It's, it's just it's like he is. He yeah. was a Democrat, probably. Yeah. I, I, I tell people, I, you know, I go, I, I've seen this story thirty yes. years ago. It was has nothing to do with politics, right? right. You know, he is what he is. Bad it doesn't business. matter what uh, party he belongs to. He doesn't care what he I is. I kept saying to people, I've said this throughout. I say, you. I was writing this book during the election. You know, I was saying you could not write this book. And then think, oh, you know who'd be a good president? This guy. <laughs> right. I mean, so you couldn't, people are like, oh, you're biased. I'm like, I'm not biased. I'm it's freaking informed that this guy's a con man. Like, yeah. what? Right, but when he was a Democrat, he was still, I would say, I he would was not an idiot. Oh, he's a, this guy, it doesn't matter no. what he was. Right. It's, it's like you can it's say who he is. He, it's right. who he is. Well, not what he is. We mentioned Rick Riley earlier. He has a book coming out, I think, oh. in the spring called Commander in Cheat, which is yeah. all about how Donald Trump plays golf. Oh, if you're yeah. this person, yeah. you're this person. He looks person like he would kick back into the fairway, to be honest. He's admitted he did. Riley wrote a piece yeah, about him where he's But like, it's so easy to, you know, to everyone's, it's so tribal now and it's all left or right or whatever, but this is not. This It's facts. I don't know anyone's political affiliation. Yeah. It has nothing to do with his political affiliation. It's just that he was 30 years ago. I'm agnostic, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was just a con man. He was just a con man when it came to this stuff. Speaking of the end of the league, you guys covered the last Express game, which is an epic. Oh, it's just epic. I remember both of you telling itself. me things. Can you just kind of go over what that game was oh, like? No, you, I, I must have blocked block this out of my memory because it, but you say that there was a field goal contest yes. for the sports Your article is invaluable, by the way. Yeah. The one that's online. I wrote, it. yeah, I wrote a thing about field the 20th contest. anniversary. Yeah, I, I, I sort of remember it now. I, re I, I remember because you remember that guy who was working for like City News Service? Stephen Herbert. Stephen Herbert. Like, yeah. Would always see me in the press box and go, "Let's hey, let's do a field goal kicking contest. And so he kept reminding me of it. So <laughs> the thing about the PR is I had to tell my boss when I was going to the game, I didn't know where the San Fernando Valley was. I was living, I was, my whole life is South Bay, and I go, we're playing this thing at Pierce College. I go, I don't even know how to get there. So <laughs> Did I, you know I, it existed? I, well, I heard about it, because there was like this, the song Valley Girl was yeah. big then. So I had to get Herb Vincent, who by now was the PR person for the Express. I said, Herb, can I just drive with you? Just take me to the game. Otherwise, I might not get there. So Herb and I get to the game, and there's nobody there. And then I, as I wrote, and you used it, it, it looked like a movie studio set. It was just this odd looking thing. And 
Yeah, they brought us down from the press box of a field goal kicking contest. I don't know why or what happened. It didn't matter. It was just as bizarre. Isn't there some promotion. about a bus driver refusing oh. to drive? Okay, oh, yeah, so yeah, the yeah, team. Yeah. yeah, you know, this, did did Steve ever talk to you about the yes. bus driver story? Yeah, when about them taking a collection. Yeah, Steve had to take a collection because the bus driver would refuse to take them over the hill into the valley because he wasn't getting paid. If I don't get my five hundred dollars, I am not <laughs> driving this bus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> under the roof. And Herb, Herb Vincent, who is now uh, the, the head LSU. communication down at LSU. Now he's at uh, SEC. Oh, SEC. SEC. Oh, okay. okay. But he, and he just, you know, he he tweeted me something a couple weeks ago about that. He and I didn't know this. He, and maybe, maybe it was in your book. Maybe it wasn't. But he said he had a, he carried a telecopier in his in his car in case the express folded because oh. he thought they were going to they could fold it any minute. Right. And he had some. I don't know. People probably didn't know what that is, but like a, he had like something he could. It's what we had used to, to run our the stories press. on and send them out right, right away over the telephone lines. He said he it was had like a, a fax machine. He had a, like it in his car in case the express folded. He probably had it in the car. So you would have to me. pull over somewhere. Yeah. Attach yeah. it. You yeah. could actually attach it to a phone and release the. Yeah, it had to be a phone plug though. How many people were at that last game? Uh, I they I, didn't have turnstiles. That I actually know. They had to set. I remember they had to set up chairs, empty chairs that they knew nobody would sit in because there was a league minimum attendance requirement. It might have been fifteen thousand. This so was they, on a Saturday afternoon, right? Yeah. Oh my uh, god! And in the middle, you know, of the, the thought of two future Super Bowl MVPs who played in that game: right, Doug Williams, Doug Williams, and Steve Young. Wow. Steve Young. Two and I sat in the press box next to this guy who I didn't know, and it turned out that it was. Um, why am I blanket? The, the Buffalo Bills coach. Marv uh, Levy. Marv Levy is watching the game next to me. You know, he's going to be in four Super Bowls with the Bills <laughs> later with Jim Kelly. And, and I was like was making small or? talk. Well, he was scouting. He was scouting. I think he was working for Chicago then or something. Well, the, well, the Blitz were dead at that point. Okay. So he had no job. He was looking for a job. Marv Levy's sitting there just looking for a job. Future like, how did my life come to this? It's like, where is, I don't, this is just like a whole bizarro. Did everyone have a feeling that this was it? Oh, well, yeah. it looked oh, like yeah. the end. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, you couldn't go much lower than this, <laughs> because it was just such a bizarre thing to see. Right. And then, and then I just, as the game ends, I think I just remember like, like they walking to the cars in the parking lot. It was just like this <laughs> with their parents. Yeah, yeah. It felt like it felt like a, you just watched a kid's soccer game. Well, you know, Doug Williams and Steve Young shake hands, and Williams goes to Young. What the hell are we doing? Here? <laughs> What? Were you at that game? I I had just graduated from college and I came back to volunteer that game. Were you working the scoreboard? I so so because (laughs) No, I'm being serious. Weren't you working the scoreboard? Because it was a day game and the scoreboard was immediately behind the goalpost and the sun, you couldn't see how much time was on the clock. So I had to sit underneath the scoreboard with a walkie-talkie and say, you know, there's still there's 34 on the scoreboard so that they could type the play-by-play. Oh, Oh my lord. And it wasn't televised. And then I had to do post-game quotes for the Outlaws, and Doug Williams said to me, he goes, this is arguably the lowest point of my life. <laughs> but these were the Arizona then, Outlaws. Yeah, yeah, the Arizona Outlaws. And then what, formerly two, years, the, two years later, he's Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Oh, wait, I just want to say one thing. Not only is he Super Bowl MVP, he threw four touchdown passes in that game. Of the four, one was a Kelvin Bryant, Philadelphia Stars. Oh, great one was a Gary Clark, Jacksonville Bowes. One was a Ricky Sanders, Houston Gamblers. Yeah. Wow! Which is crazy. Yeah. The That's amazing. Bell. Okay, so the league had all this talent. They had guys with money. Is there anything they could have done to make that sucker work? Stay in the spring. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And still, and I think you, you even mentioned this in your, it still probably would, have, yeah. would not have been a long time. But don't you think thing, 87 yeah. comes with the NFL strike? Yeah. That's where you, I think that was a great point. The 87 strike was filled with USFL players. 
And I just think there's yeah. like, if 87, if the USFL stays into spring, yeah. <laughs> if the 87 stays until the spring, I mean, if the USFL stays until 87 in the spring, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, you have this year of crazy football anarchy. Right. And you could see a lot of guys jumping to the USFL. I also think you could see a panicked NFL be yeah. like, we need to nip this in the bud. Jacksonville will take you, right. Memphis will take you. Oakland, we can take you. Baltimore, and maybe Birmingham. Like those five. Birmingham's a weird wild card in that one. Yeah. And if you remember what the, what Klosterman had done with money that he didn't, nobody really had, <laughs> was uh, Olderman's, was, was billed. And you remember Klosterman had been fired from the Rams. A very proud man. He lived in Cole Porter's house on La Cienega Boulevard. Dressed so awesome. impeccably all oh, the time. perfect. Wasn't he the yeah. Duke, Duke of Dining Duke Out? Duke of Dining Duke, Out. Yeah. Great star quarterback at LMU, Loyola Marymount, and uh, very proud. And he was uh, uh, fired by the Rams in the great Georgia frontier. Yeah. Um, and he, he, you know, he was on, he, it was all revenge for him. He was competing against, he wanted to build a, a, an NFL franchise that could, could compete with the show, the Rams. Right. And, and they he did. Made a mistake, and he did. Yeah. It and was full of two Hall of Famers. Yeah. Gary, Zimmerman. Gary Zimmerman. How about that offensive line? Yeah. I mean, Derek yeah. Kennard, uh, Jeff Hart, Mark yeah. Addicts. Gary Zimmerman, uh, yeah. Mark Addicts. Right? Yes. Yeah. Tony Jojo Townsell, yeah. Kevin Nutt. Like, it was a great. So that right. team had it been allowed to mature. In the spring, and he, and he said the NFL strike comes along '87. LA would have been in a position where, you know, they 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 but it may be desirable, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a it, that was the shame of it. But uh, I, you know, who knows what how long it would have lasted? But certainly, going to the fall was an insane idea and, and doomed doomed from the start. It was like what you pointed out in the book too. A USFL had happened already once earlier yeah. with the same name. Um, as a as a result of the AFL uh, challenging the NFL, right, and then it was basically an owner who wanted to get his own team and basically got it. Yeah, and so it's always there for the taking if there's an ownership group that wants to get right, you know, get his foot in. It's like let's just start this you know challenge league. The USFL, uh, I mean, the AFL merged with the NFL. The ABA merged with the NBA. We haven't seen something like that happen in a long time. I'm sure the USFL would have liked that. Is that. Do you think that'll ever happen again in any sport where you'll get this renegade league that comes along and manages to basically force itself in? Or are the leagues now so big, Yeah, there so are already rich. so many teams. Back then, there weren't that many teams. Right, yeah. it was always so. a numbers thing. It's yeah. also funny, don't you think, how people are like, oh, the NFL's in trouble. Like, the NFL is in such better shape now than it was in the 80s. Like, the NFL now is yeah. Apple and IBM combined. I mean, it's mm. just this enormous... Monolith. Yeah, you should be yeah. breaking it up rather than building yeah, it. Yeah, they're billionaire owners now yeah. instead of they were millionaires. Now they're yeah. billionaires. Yeah. So, but it's uh, you know it, it's it, what I like about the Express and the US, USFL is it, it's like it's it's a fraternity, it's a shared experience, and you know all these a lot of these guys would end up in broadcasting or they go on the NFL, and if you if you say you covered the NFL, you could have an instant. Uh, conversation with somebody, mm -hmm. right. Rick Neuheisel today. You know, I saw him at Pac-12 Media Day, and he was he was jealous because I I got an advanced copy of the book. Oh, yeah. and all he wanted to talk about was Clinton Mang Mangus, the the, the best the, team in the history oh, of football. Yeah, we we haven't even talked about the gunslingers, but the, you can have a conversation. It's a conversation starter. It's a fraternity. Ricky Ellis, who was a tight end yeah. for the uh, uh, Express and. Uh, uh, Cal State Fullerton, back when they played fo football, you know, he lives in Diamond Bar and neighborhood. So I see him occasionally. All he, he wants to talk, he wants to talk Express. Tom Ramsey, 
Yeah. yeah. ESPN. You, so. I don't know how many people you interviewed for the book. About four. four yeah. Okay. What was the, the most general reaction? Was it kind of like, oh, nice nostalgia? Was some of it like opportunity missed? Was some of it like I got screwed? Uh, very, very little, if any, yeah. of I got screwed. Yeah. Even though some of these guys did financially. Yeah. I think there were two things. I think, number one, it was, it was, uh, it's almost like, I, I try, I lazily compare it sometimes to a fraternity party looking, remembering, but I actually don't think yeah. I, it's that. I think it's like a really terrifying flight to Hawaii where, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't remember, you remember how insane it was, like the yeah. bus and like the John Hadle getting punched by a player, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And yet you did end up getting to Hawaii. And, like, Hawaii was great. So yeah, you also remember all the awesome stuff about right. it. Um, and I also think there was one guy I interviewed who played for the Portland Breakers. And he told me that um, for 30 years, every day, he has the team photo above his, like, wherever he does his work. Because mm. he looks at it every day. And he always wow, thinks, yeah. at least for a moment, just how sad it makes him. And, and not to make this a Trump bash, but I will say, when the 30 for 30 came out with Mike Tolan, and Trump called it small potatoes, I actually think that wounded a lot of guys. Mm, it definitely yeah. wounded me. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah. I was like yeah. it's fine if it you chalk it up to a does. failure, yeah. but how many jobs did that give people? Yeah. And how yeah. much excitement did that bring to people's lives? So I get, you could be like, yeah, it didn't work out. But to right. just be like, yeah, it was small potatoes. Right. Maybe it was to you, it wasn't to right. them. Right, or my my future wife who was laid off, all these, all these mom and pops, the LA Express uh, left town with owing people, not big people, little people, a million dollars, vendors. People that did the program. Cheerleaders. People cheerleaders. clean the cheerleading yeah. uniforms. I so, had to go cover a, yeah. a small claims court of a cheerleader who was suing the team. That's awesome. I, it's like, what am I doing in this? I don't even know how to they cover were, a court case. You know, and, and it was, and it really hurt. And I talked to Don Klosterman, and, and it really broke him up. I mean, it really hurt him that this happened. Yeah. You know, he got duped and he was fooled. Right. He got pulled into this because he's, you know, he, nobody want, nobody wants to see the little people hurt, and that so. It, it, there is a there is a sad uh, aspect to it because it it could have been something not something huge but it could have been mm. something it's sustainable. Purpose. I just want to say the greatest revenge of the abused USFL guy story ever is the uh, San Antonio Gunslingers, who are just the most dysfunctional outfit ever in any sporting league of all time. Um, they had a defensive backs coach named Bill Bradley who played for the Eagles, and he stopped getting paid. And Clint Mangus, the owner, who just like Oldenburg was crazy. He owed him about, I don't know what it was, $70,000. So they played in the Alamo Stadium. Were you guys ever there? It was a yeah, high school oh, yeah. stadium converted into a, yes, you know, sure. an ancient and crappy. Yeah. And they used to have to bring in chairs. They had to bring in 6,000 chairs to meet the minimum yeah. attendance. Last game in San Antonio Gunslinger history, Bill Bradley rents a bunch of trucks, pays off the security guard at the stadium, backs the trucks in, loads the chairs onto the trucks, <laughs> Brings them, makes multiple trips, brings them to Fort Worth, sells them for, I think, eight bucks a pop. <laughs> and never tells anyone <laughs> oh until we talk. God. And that is how he made his money. <laughs> wow. Well, these, yeah. I'm getting that money one way or another. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I'm getting that well, money. Yeah, yeah. It might come from chairs. But these are the stories. Chairs. The LA Express, the, the carpenter that walks in to Mona Williams. Oh, I will kill you. I will kill you unless you, you know. And that was the funny part. You go down there and, and when it was all ending, and the league had taken over operations. You yeah. talk about it was the opposite of Trump. The league did pay for yeah. the Express. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. They had, they had sure million-dollar con guaranteed contracts to all these guys that they'd signed. Yeah, they had to pay them all. And so you would go to the Express headquarters, and uh, the lights were out. The grass, nobody had mowed the, the lawn. They stopped serving steak and salad at the uh, for the players. But the parking lot is full of Mercedes. <laughs> 
so That's funny. You know, and, and, and they hire our, our one of character, we can't even get into Nelson Mercado, one of the great <sighs> characters, security guards who was brought into after the Greg Fields. But Nelson, who I became, I have lost touch with him now, but I, I you, you just left me a message. Oh my God. That guy's <laughs> the nicest human being. Tell him, him, I, said, yes, tell him I said hello, because I, you know, he was the greatest guy, but he had the job of protecting. It's coach, crazy, right? Well, I mean, yeah. you have you have to tell where Nelson came from before. Wow, you mean who he worked oh, for? Oh, yeah, who he so I tell the can I tell the Greg Field story real quick because it's yeah, the best yeah, story sure, of all time. Sure, it is the best story in the history of football, <laughs> and it's not mine. I don't own it. I just yeah. uh, Greg Fields. Now, do you guys remember Greg Fields playing for LA? Like, would he register at all? Because he wasn't great. He was no, I remember the yeah. name. Yeah, I remember the I name. I do remember, but yeah, he was not. A, certainly wasn't a standout. He had twelve right. sacks, but it was eighteen games, so you didn't see equivalent of like seven and a half. Yeah. Like, Nineteen eighty-three plays for the Express. Now he played for the Colts as a rookie, got cut out of Grambling, free agent. And Barry Krause was the Colts' first-round pick that year out of Alabama. And when Barry Krause would walk by in the locker room, Greg Fields would go like, "Hey, big paper boy, there's a big paper boy," because he's making big money. Barry Krause, in turn, would be like, you're the big paper boy. So Greg Fields became known as Big Paper. And I was with Tom Ramsey, the former Express quarterback, working on this book. He's like, you got to find out about Big Paper. Big uh -huh. Paper's your guy. So Big Paper had been, a year after the Colts, he was in camp with the Falcons, and he's, uh, he's cut, and he refuses to leave. He's just like, I know you cut me, but I'm not leaving. So they have to bring an armed security guard to get Greg Fields to leave. That's the end of his NFL anything. But of course, the US of L would take anybody. Oh. The LA Express signed Fields, 83 is a good player. 84 is in camp, John Hadle is now the coach instead of you can't handle. And John Hadle is like, yeah, we're gonna cut Greg. And his assistants are like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, nah, it's okay. <laughs> so he calls Greg Fields and, oh, and Greg Fields' best friend on the Express was Al Burleson, Nate Burleson's father. And he had been cut the day before. And Greg Fields was like, he's like, if they cut, if they cut me today, there's gonna be war around here. It's like, okay. So he called, but John Hedo doesn't know this. So Greg Fields comes in the office and he's like, John's like, John Hedo's a nice guy. He's like, yep. listen, Greg, you've contributed a lot to this team, but, and Greg Fields just goes, pop, <laughs> and punches him in the face. You motherfucker. He's like being dragged out of the office. Um, then he starts calling in death threats to the team, right? I'm going to kill the codes, blah, 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 Greg. And uh, he's showing up at practices, standing at the fence like this, just staring. So they hire Nelson Mercado, one of the nicest human beings ever, who at the time is working as Liberace's bodyguard in Las Vegas. But he's from L.A. And they're like, we have this nut job lineman. Will you come? Oh, yeah, I'll come now. Okay. He asks Liberace for a leave of absence. He takes a, leave of, he takes a literal leave of absence from Liberace. Oh, comes to L.A. Don't we all? He puts a tracker on Greg Fields' car. Greg Fields, he said, Nelson told me he had a gun in the back of his car. He was calling in death oh threats to the team. Oh, and Nelson's kind of like, I can't believe this is my lot in life. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And then, and this is only in the USFL. There's no, there's nowhere else in the world this happens. Everyone knows about Greg Fields. But the gunslingers need defensive line help. So Perfect they sign Greg Fields. I swear to God, I've said this. This is the equivalent, equivalence, equivalent of... I'm working at Sears. I threatened to kill my boss, and Macy's is like, I don't know. He, he has, <laughs> you know. So, did you see how the paint yeah, department? Yeah, yeah. He got that thing humming. Yeah. It was good. So he signed. Painter, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be twenty-three dollars. <laughs> they uh, gunslinger sign him. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you're allowed to curse. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, it's the internet. He's the only oh. one who does. Uh, but yeah. whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> they sign Greg Fields. He comes to San Antonio. He's greeted by the coaching staff, all wearing helmets and pads. <laughs> <laughs> right, and they have an article about him punching the coach, and he actually says, and I will say, his quote is, "Oh man, that's cold. You got my shit in the wall." <laughs> but he thought it was funny. 
This is the amazing part, though, because this is one of those stories that just San Antonio signs him, but the owner, Clint Mangus, who's just ran out of money, stops paying players. Greg Field find, is getting pissed off. In fact, the GM of the team was a 71-year-old Korean war vet, and when players would knock on his door to get paid, they, their, their offices were two trailers in the parking lot of Alamo Stadium. He would climb out the window and get in his car and drive <laughs> off. Anyway, Greg Fields follows Clint Vegas home one day, and he has a baseball bat with him. And Mangus gets out of the car and he sees Greg Fields. And Greg Fields is six foot six, 280. You know, Mangus is a little guy. He's got the bat. And he's like, listen. And he lives in a mansion. He goes, I see where you live. I know you got money. I think you want to pay me. Clint Mangus goes, wait here. <laughs> 10 minutes later, comes back out with 17,000 in cash and gives it to him. He's like, are we good? Greg Fields is like, yeah, we're good. And uh, drives off, and nobody, Greg Fields, I could not find. And I had two addresses for him. And I took, yeah. You read a whole chapter about oh, this. Yeah, it was, that, so, yeah. that was, it was really, a thrill. Really I took good. my son yeah. on a road trip <laughs> to San Francisco. The worst dad in America. Know, right? Right? Of course, yeah. too. And me, my nine year old son Emmett, and Greg Fields, a food court in Sacramento, California, <laughs> yeah. eating Cold Stone Creamery, and him telling me about his time. And, and Didn't he send goes, your son out to go get him an ice cream? He goes, I was like, Greg, do you want something? And uh, he's like, to my son, he's like, go get me one of those cherry vanillas. And my son's like, okay. Was he holding a bat at the time? He was not. He was actually a nice guy. And your son, yeah, your son now has a Greg Fields jersey. He so there's this, yeah, there's this business of makes USFL jerseys, and my son has three. He has a Greg, oh. a Greg Fields, LA Express. He has an Ed Luther Jackson Rebels, because Ed Luther turns out lives about a mile and a half away from me in Southern oh. California. And he has a Doug Williams, Oklahoma Valley jersey. Ooh, that's, that's nice. Ah, this is the best episode we've ever done. How many? Just how, awesome what we, what time? What are we in? How oh God! How long be. are we done? How long is it supposed to be? It's at fifty-five. Minutes. There you oh, go. Yeah. So we an hour on I the USFL, and we could do another hour. Does Jeff, it, you're going to be signing books tonight, right? I am. Where are you going to be at? What's the name of the place? Chev Chevrolet. Chevrolet. How do you pronounce it? Chevrolet. Chevrolet. It's the oldest bookstore in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And then uh, where you go from here? Where are you going to be? Probably home to eat. <laughs> but you may. You already been Grab a New York. Snack. You went to. I was in New York promoting. Right. I've done everywhere. a lot of TV and a lot of. And I'm not just saying this. This is yeah. by far the most fun because I love. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I just want to say because a lot of it is like. So what did you like about the US of L or? So and people always how confuse, did Donald Trump screw right. this? What was Donald Trump's role? And and the big one is right. like they'll ask me about a World Football League team instead mm -hmm. of a US of L team, oh, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So right. this is like to me, this is like hog heaven. This really awesome. is awesome. Not asking for you. about and, and NFL when you say hug, you look right at John. But anyways, um, so thanks the, for coming by. Come back oh, anytime. The Express, first of all, the Express were not going to be called the Express, right? They were going to be called the, the Olympics. Satellites or the Olympics. The satellites. Or the, I, and the I satellites. love that he says in the book, they're going to satellites, but they agreed that sucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's terrible. That so we'd terrible. be talking about satellite football at this point, maybe. Oh, yes. Do uh, come back sometime. We'll talk some college football, basketball, all that junk. Sure. Awesome. Thank you for uh, tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this. I know you had to. And go buy the book. He's a nice guy. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Steve Young said it. Wait.